Well, welcome to Summit Point Online. We're rallying together here for our Good Friday services. It's great to have you join with us. Man, we are here to be able to celebrate our King, to celebrate his sacrifice, and to be able to make much of him. So as we rally together, rally family, friends, whoever you have in your home there, make sure you got your communion ready and uh, get that set. And we're going to have a sweet time of experiential worship together, celebrating our King. Thanks for being here with us. God bless. Eden, a garden teeming with perfect beauty. This is where life began and where it began to end. The first Adam walked with God through a perfect creation. We did not need to eat back then, yet he gave us the sweetest fruits. We did not need to drink, yet he gave us the clearest waters. And we did not need companionship, yet he gave us each other just the same. We were beings of mere dust, elevated to royalty and luxury by the God who walked among us. And because of his goodness, we lived blissfully and unashamed. But then a mist rose. The serpent descended from the forbidden tree and bade us to eat its fruit. And though we were not hungry, and we were not made to eat by force, we took it in our hands. Then, even with the presence of our Creator within a stone's throw from us, we desecrated the sacred land with our choice to consume it. Because of our disobedience to the Creator, we were cast from the garden with swords at our backs and we were made to farm the earth to earn the fruit we now needed to forestall our day of death. We were beings of mere dust, so in dust we would spend our days and to dust we would return. The disobedience of one man brought death upon every generation that followed. It wasn't worth the taste.
souls in fleeting shells, but we choose to feed the latter. We chase the temporary pleasures of forbidden fruit while the world around us fades. We learned that back in Eden, and we cannot change our ways alone. We can raise beautiful gardens from the dust beneath our feet and enjoy its choicest fruit, but when the trees and flowers wilt, they sink into the earth and are eaten by worms who are eaten by worms who are eaten by worms. It's all dust now, even if it looks enduring for an instant. The grandest monuments and the thrones of earthly kings will fade away like breath. But Lord, your throne remains forever. It never cracks or falters. It never needs to be replaced. The gardens of eternity are sustained by your radiance alone. Even in the midst of all our suffering, 
a taste of you is worth it all. Sad. 
Gethsemane, a garden filled with solemn tranquility. It was here that the last Adam, the man of heaven, fell on his face to pray for what was to come. He prayed that the cup of suffering be taken away from him, for he knew that the arrows we lobbed in Eden would come down as nails and spears on Calvary. He knew that the blood that dripped from his head while he prayed was the first of gallons that would be spilt in the names of his betrayers. When we came for him, a small army, we were ready to force him out with swords and spears against his back. This was a man who could have summoned legions of armed angels to slaughter us and save himself. And yet, he left the peaceful garden without so much as raising his voice. This was not a man from dust like the rest of us. Though we greeted him with a hypocrite's kiss, he submitted all the same. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, did not need to sacrifice himself for us. He was not forced or seduced by a serpent. He volunteered himself to be pierced, beaten, whipped, and torn for a clear purpose, to bring life back to our dry bones and exalt himself as king. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam's choice brought death to all. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, the last Adam's choice brought death to one and life to all. Darkness
as we gather here now this evening, let's just take a little bit of time to think about two things. Two gardens. The Garden of Eden. The Garden of Gethsemane. Two Adams. The first Adam, man being created in absolute perfection. And the second Adam, entering into a broken world, horrifically messed up with sin, and yet that Adam, absolutely sinless and perfect. And let's just begin to grasp a little what was going on. Can you imagine being Adam, the first Adam, entering into the Garden of Eden? You're, you're waking up to the freshness and the stunning nature of all that God has created. Can you imagine the air that was breathed in, the smile that was on his face, the joy that he had as he began to just take a walk with God in the garden? The celebration that he had with his wife, Eve, absolute perfection of relationship as they enjoyed each other, as they laughed with each other, as they got along with no sin at all. Imagine that. And then a little mist entered into the garden. Sinfulness entering into the garden in a horrible way. 
as Satan stepping in, beginning to twist things up, he leaned towards Eve and he said, seriously? Did God really say that to you, that he can't allow you to have a bite of that? For real? The sinfulness and the twisting of it all. As he then said, surely you won't die. That's crazy. This isn't what's true at all. Satan began to put into question God's goodness, God's purpose, God's truthfulness. And Eve began to take a whole new look at the fruit. We're not even sure what kind of fruit it was, but as she took this fruit and she saw it to be good, she reached up and she took a bite and the juice is flowing everywhere. She was like, this is so good. And here's the reality. God never said it wouldn't taste good. But she was amazed with how good it was. She took it to Adam. Know this, the world had not collapsed into sin and man had not collapsed into sin, not yet. The bite of Eve was the ushering in. It was the bite of Adam that would crash it down and the headship of man took it down as Adam took this amazing looking fruit and took the big bite, questioning the very goodness of God, questioning the purpose of God, questioning the truth of God. And he said, maybe I know better. And he took that bite and the mist just filling the garden, the mist filling his soul. And for the rest of eternity, the mist filling into all of the hearts of humanity as we all are now sinful, struggling and wrestling with our selfishness as Adam led the way from perfection to a collapse into sinful selfishness. The Garden of Eden was a horrible moment of collapse. But then the Garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus Christ, the God of this universe, absolutely perfect, stepped down into this world, him for me, and he remained sinless while the world around him was a mist of sin, a mess of sin. Can you imagine being those who walked with Christ? As Jesus taught and he rocked their world, as he touched and people were healed, as he spoke and dead men were raised, Jesus putting them in awe of all that he was. And several years into his ministry, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he fell to his knees. And it says that as he prayed like drops of blood, the sweat dripped off so intense as he came before his father, knowing what was coming next, the mist of this world and the sin of this world was his to now carry. And he cried out, checking out with his father one more time, is this still the plan? He, he cried out, take this cup from me. Father, is it really the plan? But not my will be done, your will be done. And the hope of Jesus Christ as he came there three times over crying out to ask, is this really still the plan? And the father assuring, yes. And here's the deal. While the first Adam questioned the goodness of God, while the first Adam questioned the purpose of God, while the first Adam questioned the truth of God, the second Adam, our hope, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, him for me, he never questioned the goodness of God. 
He never questioned the purpose of God and he never questioned the truth of God. Jesus Christ said, your will be done. And he stood up from that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane with absolute obedience as he prepared to take man from broken, horrid, selfish sinfulness and usher us back to perfection. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ, he is our hope. And the next day, his body was whipped and beaten, torn, blood dripping down as he was broken, him for me. As they nailed him to the cross and he became our hope, our payment. Man, please hear me. If we believe that he is risen from the dead, if we confess him as Lord, all in charge. You take over, not half a foot in, half a foot out, not straddling between, but Lord God, you're in charge. And that's saved. And he takes that soul who trusts in him and he shows us the goodness of God and he shows us the purpose of God and he shows us the truth of God as he begins to walk us back to glory and perfection. Him for me. Man, do you believe? Do you confess him as Lord? Are you saved? Man, we still wrestle with sin and we still have mist in our lives, don't we? So even saved, there's moments where we need to learn to be able to hand that sin over. And so here's what we're gonna do right now together. Just a collective experience while we're all separated away. If you remember at all of our Good Friday services, we tend to rally at the cross and drop our sin. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna rally to our knees just right where you are. Go ahead and get to your knees if you can. And uh, we're gonna bring our sin before our God and we're gonna use that chat line that's on the side. It's not to reveal the sin, please hear me. That sin is between you and your God. For you to be able to say, Lord God, I'm handing this sin to you. I lay this down. Everybody just say it right where you are. Lay this down. I lay this down down. Man, we're just going to use that chat line on the side. And as you get ready to hand your sin over, just saying, I lay this down. That's all you say. You don't have to tell us what the sin is. Just I lay this down. I love you, Lord. I lay this down. May we come to our King. May we hand him our sin. May we praise his name that he is walking us from the mist of sinfulness and brokenness back to perfection. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man, amen. Here's the deal. We're going to take a little bit of time where Nathan is going to lead us in a song of, I need you, Lord. Just let the words wash over you. Think through those reflecting. And as you get ready to hand that sin, then just typing in the chat line, I lay this down and continue then to worship with that song. And right after this, we are going to take communion. So if you didn't get the email or if you forgot to get it, now is the time to go grab those crackers, grab a little bit of the drink, juice, water, whatever you can get, and get that set, and then get your sin real before your God. Let's get our communion ready, and then let's get on our knees. I lay this down. I need you, Lord. Him for me. Let's bring our sin before him and make him our king. Let's pray. Lord God, we hand this to you now. Hear our cry. We are humble, we are sinful, and we are in need. You are my God. I need you, Lord.
Let's pray. sweet time for us to just say, Lord, we lay this sin down. Man, as we come up to Good Friday, this is remembering that Jesus went to the cross for us. So we thought it's just a sweet time, right, to always bring in that time of confession and also a time to bring in the communion. So let's just do this right where you are. Let's just make sure that everybody gets a chance to grab some bread or cracker, whatever it is you have there. Let's take together as we move through this. Remember Jesus Christ 
as he spent the time with his disciples, as he was revealing to them what was going on, he was like, just so you understand, the mist in your soul, the sin that is so ravaging, I am here to take it away. I am here to carry it on my body. And I am here to pay the price with all I've got. Jesus standing up amongst them, he tore the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus in full awareness of where he was headed and he was saying, I'm telling you, I'm going to usher you from brokenness and pain and heartache back to utter glory and perfection. No pain, no sorrow for the rest of eternity. May God get all the glory. Behold the lamb who sacrificed for us. Take and eat. Amen. And then he took the cup and he said, This is my blood poured out for you. Remember the praying in the garden and the sweat like drops of blood as Christ fully aware of the weight of the sin and the mist of all of our souls that he was going to carry. And he lifted it up and he said, this, this represents my blood poured out for you. The hope of our Savior bringing salvation. Scripture says there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Christ is like, I am that lamb. Him for me. Take and drink. Amen. Him for me. Thank you, Lord. He emerges from his garden tomb, victorious over death. Jesus is mistaken as a gardener. We make no mistake now. We know exactly who he is. Through his death and resurrection, he makes new the wilting and the dead. He dispels the mist and brings life out of the dust. He creates and he restores. He forgives and he renews. We deserve to wallow in the dust from now into eternity, but he is good. So he gives us a new fruit to eat. 
at this time we need it. One day there will be a new garden, teeming with a perfect beauty. When the former things have passed away, when the age of death and dust is done, we will see your face and walk beside you like we did in the beginning. And until that day, we remember and we wait. When the age of death is done, we'll see your face bright as the sun. We'll bow before the King of Kings, oh God, forever we will sing. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption
loves me the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so so good God you're so good you're so good to me Behold the cross age to
both now and forever. One more time, sing those words. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will What Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever.